Hello, friends. It's October 17th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I am delighted that we can share this time in God's Word together, progressively reading through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. There are so many helpful Bible study resources and tools available these days, especially on the Internet. This was not always the case. I became a Christian before we had desktop computers and smartphones, so I would study my Bible with a hardbound copy in hand, and Bible dictionaries, lexicons, Greek interlinear, and encyclopedias spread out beneath me on the floor. When I served as a church planter in Europe, in some countries we would have to travel for hours to get to a bookstore with Bibles and Christian materials. Getting access to good Christian literature was a big deal in those days and took time and effort. Now we can download books in seconds. In the pre-internet days, I found encouragement supplementing my Bible reading with time-tested devotionals like Oswald Chambers' My Utmost for His Highest and Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening and Faith's Checkbook. But one of the dangers in having such an abundance of study and devotional materials is that we can leave off what is most important, the simplicity of reading the Bible through, applying the hermeneutical principle of realizing each passage's context in the overarching story, its historical, literal, thematic, and theological context. And another danger is that we leave off giving time to prayer and meditation. So it is my hope that the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast will encourage you to read the Bible consistently, give attention to the context, and then to take what you have read before the Lord in prayer with a disposition of love and trust, saying, Lord, enable me to live in the light of what you have just revealed to me in your word in a way that glorifies you and makes credible your love and truth to others. So let's get started with the simplicity of reading through the scriptures. As is our custom, we are following the one-year Bible reading plan, and you can read along in the one-year Bible or the one-year Bible online or any Bible just uh, using the references that we give as to where we start and where we end off. Or you could just listen. And I pray that you will be given ears to hear as you listen and that the gospel truth centered in the person and work of Christ Jesus would come to the fore. We are in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 30, and we will read through to chapter 31, verse 26, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Jeremiah, chapter 30, Restoration for Israel and Judah The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Write in a book all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take possession of it. These are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. Thus says the Lord, We have heard a cry of panic, of terror, and no peace. Ask now and see. Can a man bear a child? Why then do I see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? Why has every face turned pale? Alas, that day is so great there is none like it. It is a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. 
And it shall come to pass in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off his neck, and I will burst your bonds, and foreigners shall no more make a servant of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Then fear not, O Jacob my servant, declares the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from far away, and your offspring from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return and have quiet and ease, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with you to save you, declares the Lord. I will make a full end of all the nations among whom I scattered you, but of you I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure, and I will by no means leave you unpunished. For thus says the Lord, Your hurt is incurable, and your wound is grievous. There is none to uphold your cause, no medicine for your wound, no healing for you. All your lovers have forgotten you, they care nothing for you. For I have dealt you the blow of an enemy, the punishment of a merciless foe, because your guilt is great, because your sins are flagrant. Why do you cry out over your hurt? Your pain is incurable. Because your guilt is great, because your sins are flagrant, I have done these things to you. Therefore all who devour you shall be devoured, and all your foes, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall be plundered, and all who prey on you I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion for whom no one cares." Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwellings. The city shall be rebuilt on its mound, and the palace shall stand where it used to be. Out of them shall come songs of thanksgiving and the voices of those who celebrate. I will multiply them, and they shall not be few. I will make them honored, and they shall not be small. Their children shall be as they were of old, and their congregation shall be established before me, and I will punish all who oppress them. Their prince shall be one of themselves, their ruler shall come out from their midst. I will make him draw near, and he shall approach me. For who would dare of himself to approach me, declares the Lord, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest, it will burst upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intentions of his mind. In the latter days you will understand this. Chapter 31 The Lord Will Turn Mourning to Joy At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines, and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Again you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. 
For there shall be a day when watchmen will call in the hill country of Ephraim. Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor, together, a great company, they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water, in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children, because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping, and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. For after I had turned away, I relented, and after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed, and I was confounded, because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Set up road markers for yourself. Make yourself guideposts. Consider well the highway, the road by which you went. Return, O virgin Israel, return to these your cities. How long will you waver, O faithless daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing on the earth. A woman encircles a man. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its cities, when I restore their fortunes. The Lord bless you, O habitation of righteousness, O holy hill. And Judah and all its cities shall dwell there together, and the farmers and those who wander with their flocks. For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. 
At this I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament from the book of Jeremiah. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. The Lord gives Jeremiah instruction to put down in writing the prophecies he has been given. The sins of God's people must go on record. The time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 will be the chastisement for their disobedience. But at the same time, God also wants his promise of their ultimate salvation to go on record. He will punish Judah and Israel for their rebellion, but God will act redemptively, and at the appointed time he will take their yoke of oppression off from them and restore them to himself. He will do this ultimately through the Messiah, the promised son of David, in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 9. Although the prophet has their imminent captivity to the Babylonians and their deliverance after seventy years in view, there is a greater tribulation and a greater deliverance that is anticipated by this prophecy, one that will be fulfilled at the end of the age. Apart from God's mercy, His people are without hope. God shows His beloved Israel that He is both just and merciful. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you. For I will destroy completely all the nations where I have scattered you, only I will not destroy you completely, but I will chasten you justly, and will by no means leave you unpunished. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 11. The redemptive work of mercy is described as a removal of the yoke in verses 4 through 11, the healing of their wound in verses 12 through 17, and the calm after the storm in verses 18 through 24. The Messiah will come and will be one of their own. He will be both king and priest, in verse 21. Their leader shall be one of them, and their ruler shall come forth from their midst, and I will bring him near, and he shall approach me. For who would dare to risk his life to approach me, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 30, verse 21. The restoration of the covenant relationship between God and His chosen people is predicted in Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 17 through 22. Chapter 31 continues to describe the new covenant that God will make with Israel. Because of the sins of Solomon and foolishness of Rehoboam, the nation was split in two, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. But the Lord promises to unite them in chapter 31, verse 1 and verses 27 through 30 to unite them as one nation. He will gather his people and rebuild them. They will be the vineyard he originally intended to take pleasure in. In chapter 31, verse 5, the names Ephraim, Samaria, and Israel refer to the northern kingdom. With weeping they shall come, and by supplication I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of water, on a straight path in which they will not stumble. For I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. Jeremiah 31, verse 9. The northern kingdom was not restored after they were captured in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians, so these promises have yet to be fulfilled. Ephraim will repent and turn to the Lord. Rachel was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph was the father of Ephraim and Manasseh, whose tribal territories were in the northern kingdom. In Genesis chapter 30, verses 22 through 24, Benjamin's territory was in the southern kingdom. Jeremiah heard the weeping of the southern tribes at Ramah, 
as when they assembled as prisoners preparing for their long march into the Babylonian captivity. In Jeremiah chapter 40, verse 1, Rachel had seen all her descendants taken by foreigners. Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. This verse, Jeremiah 31, verse 15, is quoted in the New Testament when King Herod, in an attempt to be free from the rule of a competitor, the Jewish Messiah, orders the death of all the Hebrew infants. In the New Testament Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 16 through 18, we read, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted, because they were no more. But the Lord reminds us that Rachel's bringing these children to birth was not in vain. He will restore Ephraim and Judah. Thus says the Lord, Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of the enemy. Jeremiah 31, verse 16. There is hope for your future. In verse 17, Jeremiah speaks in the first person in identification with his people. You have chastised me, and I was chastised like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 18. Now let's go to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the New Testament book, the Apostle Paul's first letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Pray for all people. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire, then, that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, 
but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness. And this is the end of our reading from today's New Testament passage from Paul's first letter to his protege Timothy. Paul gives Timothy the charge to get the church praying. Men are to lift up their holy hands and intercede. They are to pray for those in positions of authority. They are to pray for good government. What conditions should they pray for? They should pray for government that enables people to live their lives in peace, where godliness is upheld and people are treated with dignity. They are to pray for conditions conducive to proclaiming the truth about God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4-6 through 6. Men should be taught to restrain from attacking one another and instead become prayer warriors, lifting up their holy hands as godly intercessors for their families, their church, their governments, and the lost. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. When people read Paul's instruction pertaining to the women in the church, he's often misunderstood as a misogynist. We must remember that Paul and Timothy were preaching the gospel at the time when an apostate Judaism and the pagan culture had little respect for women. We read of exceptional women like Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, who displayed piety and prayed with spiritual understanding and familiarity with Scripture. But most women were not encouraged to learn and were restricted from participation in religious services. Women were both dishonored and deified by the Ephesian culture, where they worshipped Artemis, the primary goddess of childbirth and midwifery, the daughter of Zeus, also identified by the Romans as Diana the Huntress. The New Testament church saw that men and women had an equal standing before God as his image-bearers. The women in the Ephesian church, like those in Corinth, became disruptive and distracting in the exercise of their newfound freedoms at their gatherings. Paul acknowledges that women publicly prayed and prophesied in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 5, but he reminded them of important restraints for the purpose of maintaining God's creation order found in Genesis chapter 2. Women were not permitted to teach or to usurp authority of the male headship in the church. They were to be silent. The word here used for silent is a word that denotes an attitude of self-composure and quietness, rather than denoting a gag order of absolute speechlessness. There are three different Greek words in the New Testament for quiet or silence, each with different shades of meaning. The word used here is heshukadzo, a Greek word that refers to an absence of disturbance, a tranquility arising from within. It does not mean an absolute absence of words, but absence of controversial speech. In the Greek language, another word, sigao, is used for complete silence. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Hesukazo, quietness, not sigao, meaning to say nothing. To put this in perspective, Paul mentioned in his letters women who held positions of responsibility in the churches and who were among his co-workers. For example, he commended his co-worker Priscilla, who together with her husband Aquila, 
instructed Apollos privately, helping him to get a better grasp of the gospel. Phoebe worked in the church in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Mary, Tryphena, and Tryphosa were among his fellow workers commended in his letter to the Romans in chapter 16, verse 6 and 12. Yodia and Syntyche had shared in Paul's struggle for the cause of the gospel in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. How is a woman saved through childbearing in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15? It is important to note that the word saved has different meanings. We can be saved from adverse situations and not be speaking specifically of eternal damnation. Certainly the scriptures make it clear that we are justified before God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and not by anything we do. Paul has been speaking of the creation order. In Genesis chapter 3, the woman was deceived and the man was held responsible. In the church, a woman is not permitted to teach or exercise authority over a man, but she is saved from any sense of inferiority or shame, as she is entrusted with an unparalleled responsibility in nurturing the young, the future generations that are in her care. Part of the good news of the gospel is that redemption restores the complementary roles of men and women as image-bearers of God, each with their unique ministries in this church age. We move on now to the book of Psalms, the Bible's song and prayer book, and we will be reading Psalm 87, verses 1 through 7. Glorious things of you are spoken, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song. Psalm 87. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples, This one was born there. Singers and dancers alike say, All my springs are in you. This is a psalm about the beautiful city of God, Jerusalem. God's love is set on the city, and He intends for this place to be the center and foundation for His administration on the earth. Her former enemies will be born in her. In other words, they will be transformed by the testimony of God displayed in this place. This psalm pictures the future when all nations will come to Jerusalem to worship. Psalm 86, verse 9, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 but it is also a picture of the heavenly home in Christ where believers have their citizenship. Luke chapter 10 verse 20 and Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21. Because of the latter interpretation, we can also sing the last verse of this psalm. All my springs of joy are in you. That is Christ our eternal home. Psalm 87 verse 7. Now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 18 and 19. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club, or a sword, or a sharp arrow. Trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. These proverbs inspire us to be faithful friends and neighbors, and to be careful to choose our friends wisely. A bad tooth is a constant pain, and a bad foot hinders our ability to walk without falling. 
Those who fail to keep their commitments are useless when we need them, and like a toothache, they can cause us a lot of pain, and like an unstable foot, they can take us down if we are not careful. Now let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, our springs of joy arise from you and your presence in your people. We are grateful for the new covenant promises that are fulfilled on our behalf through Jesus Christ. We rejoice knowing that our sins are forgiven and that you have given to us the gift of your Holy Spirit. You have given us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. You are a faithful promise keeper. Help us to be faithful, reliable, and confident witnesses to the great grace we have received. In Jesus' name, Amen. It has been a joy to travel together through these pages of Scripture, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we continue in the book of Jeremiah and also Paul's letter to Timothy. As always, I remind you that if you would like to receive a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org, and there you can learn more about the many ministries of New Life Community Church and New Life Fine Arts, Musical Theater, and our various missions. And if you have any questions or comments, you can always write to an email to us at podcast at newlife.org. So now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.